and welcome to the Jobs Are Good and Podcast, Episode 3. I'm Jay Abbott and I'm here with my co-host, Ramon Arguello. How are you, Ramon? I'm good, Jay. How are you? I'm good too, thank you very much. So it's my turn to pick a topic and I thought we could perhaps talk a little bit about security in mobile apps and what kind of things we do to make our apps more secure. And I'm aware that neither of us considers ourselves to be a security expert, so this can just be a short episode about some of the the basic things we do to keep our mobile apps secure. What do you think? Yeah, um, we can share some of the best practices we've learned um, on the job, but yeah, like a general rule of thumb, ask people that are experts on security uh, as soon as we have any doubts. Good. So what kind of daft, silly, insecure things have you kind of seen and, and corrected over the years? Well, the, the first one I think we've all seen is storing secrets uh, outside of the keychain, right, o- on iOS and probably on the equivalent on on Android. What about you? Yeah, I've seen I've seen secrets being stored in user defaults. The most easy one to find a secret would be if someone just stores it as a string in the app, and of course you've got the secret in the source code of the of the repository there as well as a, a plain text string in the in the app itself. And then I've seen where people have put a string in the app, which is an obfuscated version of the secret, which doesn't really offer that much additional security. Another thing that I've seen is where people think they are being secure by downloading a secret from the server using something that's essentially not secure itself, like you know a hash of the bundle ID combined with something else that they think, oh, no one will ever figure out that that's what we're using. Of course, it's just, it's just you know, it's security by obscurity. It's that insecure way of thinking that you're secure when you're really not. And yeah, as you said, storing storing passwords or secrets directly in uh, outside of the keychain, either in user defaults or in the documents directory. Where is the correct uh, place to store like an API key, for example, to access your, your backend? Where would you store it? Because it is very common, like when I used to work at Twitter, like the API keys for Twitter clients were leaked all over the place. And, you know, there's only so much you can do, right? Yeah, essentially, whenever you've got a a client which is going to be put into users' hands, there is only so much you can do. You know, there's there's always going to be some way to get around uh, something, um, gain access. But there are steps that you can take to... You know, to mitigate against a potential attacker getting hold of an API key, for example. Um, well, with API keys, I would just say don't use API keys at all. Use short-lived access tokens that give you access to the APIs. Um, and the tokens can then contain claims which you know the backend can use to decide which APIs or which resources within an API to, to give access to or to not give access to. You can obtain a token from the API by a few different ways. So one way that I've used on iOS is by validating the receipt of the app. Um, looking at If you look at the, if you have an app where you've got subscriptions or in-app purchases, you can, you can let the backend validate the receipt with Apple to know that it has been, it is actually a valid receipt and those subscriptions or in-app purchases are, are bought. And then you can issue a token which contains the claims relating to those particular purchases which have been made and use use those claims on the back end again when the token gets sent back. How would that work? For example, let's say I'm a Twitter client. I, I want to create a new Twitter client. 
I sign up as a developer and register a new app, it will, you know, any OAuth based sort of authentication system will need of an API key, right? That needs to ship with the, with the clients. So if you have a long lived API token, something that doesn't expire in a, in a short space of time, then you probably wouldn't want to send that to the clients at all, ever. You wouldn't bake it into the app. You wouldn't bake it into the source code. You would issue issue your clients a token from your backend, and your backend would securely store any long-lived third-party API tokens, and then any request that needed that token to make a request to that API would be proxied through your backend uh, so that your the tokens that you issue for your API would expire you know, after a short time and the client would need to continually renew them in order to keep, uh, to maintain access. Yeah, that, I, I can see how that would work. Uh, now that we're talking about um, APIs, uh, another possible vector of attacks is a uh, man in the middle attacks, right? Where if your client doesn't certify what it is connecting to, there could be a malicious attacker modifying the responses and providing their certificate as as the certificate that the client will be using to the to establish the SSL connection. And for that, something I've seen become the standard is to, to do SSL pinning. The way that works is that the client will bundle the simplest implementations. They just bundle one certificate. You, some other ones bundle a set, and some other ones uh, bundle a CA certificate, so they can resign anything resigned by the CA. Uh, any certificate signed by the CA gets validated by the client. Have you seen this much as well? I've seen that used with a few of the different, I was going to say clients, but we're getting overloading the confusing words of client there. I have seen that used a few different companies that I've I've worked at. And it comes. it's a good way to do it, but it comes with some issues around, for example, testing. One of the ways that we do like to test mobile apps is by deliberately manning the middling yourself by installing root certificates on the uh, on the OS itself in within the iPhone or, or the Android device itself so that you can then man in the middle all your network traffic and you can do testing to make sure the app behaves correctly when getting different types of network response, even though the app is still securely connecting to where it thinks it's connecting to. But as you say, in in that scenario, you do you know that you've got a secure connection, but you don't know exactly who it's to. So you're relying on um, you're relying on the the client itself, the, the the end user, not having installed a root certificate. So if you do need the actual content of your network traffic to be invisible, even to your own end users, then you would probably then you would want to use certificate pinning. Another issue that certificate pinning I've seen that I've seen caused by certificate pinning is where a certificate expires and some users that have older versions of the app can no longer access the service because the certificate that's that's baked into their version of the app or the the signature of the certificate is it the signature or a checksum I can't remember. But yeah the the certificate that they are looking for to validate against is out of date, so they can no longer access the service from an older version of the app. And the only way around that for the end user is to update, right? Yeah, that's why I mentioned that some of the implementations bundle a set of certificates or a CA 
certification authority that is controlled by the the company and that is used to sign any certificates. If you want to embed your own um, root certificate authority, how how do you get around the default required um, SSL on iOS, for example, assuming that you're not one of the root CAs which is already trusted by the OS itself? Because that CA is signed by a trusted one. Oh, okay. So you get a you get a, you get your own certificate authority signed by um, one of the trusted root CAs. I see. Which is the one that you then use to sign the actual certificate? That makes sense. I've never actually seen it done though. I haven't, but I've I've only read about it when doing some research. The most common thing I've seen is bundling a few of them. The other thing I wanted to ask you about this, uh, I've noticed at the place where I'm currently working at, we are using a third-party library, uh, Alamo Fire, pretty much just because it's very easy to do certificate pinning with Alamo Fire. And I'm not even sure if it was because in some previous versions of iOS that we still support, uh, it wasn't even possible. Do you have any experience with that? I don't know. I'm just speculating what the reasons are. It's been a long time since I've used Alamafire, but I don't think I don't think I've ever implemented certificate pinning from scratch. I've only ever worked at places where it's already been in place. I, I can't remember. I'm, I mean, I'm not even sure how it works, how it used to work in the older versions of, of iOS before they required um, SSL. Cool. What other things come to mind regarding security? Of course, um, storing any sensitive data like pictures, any other user-generated content in an encrypted database or some sort of stuff, I wouldn't say it's mandatory, but I would say it's highly recommended. Then another thing that this is more of an issue on Android, and it's not so much security, but you know, company maybe company secrets is uh, the strings. That you may be shipping on Android is very that very easy to decompile or debundle, and users will be able to see the the strings of the feature you may be shipping or turning on via via feature flags next month. They may may be able to decompile those strings and see some of the content beforehand. What are some common techniques? Yeah, if so, I'm just trying to think on iOS. If you have an enum, for example which has the raw value coming from a string, that means the actual strings themselves will be, even if you're not putting strings in your source code, just by having an enum which is you know, decodable from a string because it's, it, it's, its raw value is a string, then there will be those strings contained within the, within the data section of, the, of your binary, which does mean that you know, some developers wouldn't even re- uh, realize that that's what's going on Whereas an attacker just running a simple strings, you know, Linux strings command on the binary will see will see all the the plain text strings that that are contained within, which will give them hints about the source code itself. And if you've if you've used an enum, for example, which is a common way to do features, then yeah, you will be exposing the fact that those features may be coming up. Yeah, I've I've, I've never actually I've never actually tried to obfuscate that that kind of. Data, you don't necessarily think of it as being something which is which you want to keep super secure. But I think at some companies they may well, as you say, want to keep 
their, their features that they haven't released yet or haven't announced yet, they may want to keep them secret either for competitive reasons or just for marketing and, um, and, and secrecy reasons. Yeah, this has been an issue in most of the companies I've worked at, especially the ones you know with a certain size of uh, user base. Um, yeah, but it's usually more of a problem on Android. There's there seems to be more of a community extracting strings and trying to analyze what's going on on the in the APKs rather than and on iOS. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll, I'll I shall do some more research. I mean, one one way that you could get around that fairly easily is by using an integer-based enum or an integer-based value to to turn on and off features and having... No, but it's not just turning on the features. It's the strings that get populated on screen once you turn on the feature, right? Oh, I see, yeah. Imagine we're a company and, I don't know, I'm launching feature awesome, feature awesome, and then I have the strings there, welcome to feature awesome, uh, with Feature Awesome, you will be able to do blah, 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 blah. Uh, the price of Feature Awesome is blah per month. And uh, all of those strings can be extracted, right? Yeah, of course. So there, there are some there are some localization services where you download a bundle with strings in on, on app launch or when you switch the language. And if you write a custom, if you have a custom version of that, where you're downloading your strings from the server, the the user presentable strings that is, from from your servers, then yeah, you could you could make sure that nobody gets access to those before before they wanted to, and if you wanted to, the feature names of the flags themselves to be hidden, then you could you could potentially use like a signed string. Yeah, or you could do what I was mentioning before that the API can just return title, and all your hard coding is that from the API X. You just want to present whatever's coming in title, and the back end will probably, hopefully, will have when you made the request, you're sending the local um, locale ID and language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so they can return the the right thing to you. That's another uh, option by using more presentational APIs. Yeah. Another thing that happens by default on iOS is that um, any app requires to access the endpoints via HTTPS. Is this something that is required on Android as well these days? Not as far as I know. The last time uh, the last time I've written an Android app was about two years ago. So they may have introduced something since, but I, I don't think I don't think there's anything preventing you from just willy-nilly using HTTP all over the place for, for an Android app iOS only really restricts when you're using their built-in URL session framework anyway to access uh, servers. If you if you want to use your own HTTP library, then you can get around it fairly easily. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've covered a couple of the basic ways that you can make your apps more secure. But as we said at the beginning, this was going to be a fairly constrained, a fairly short episode because... Neither of us are security experts. So for anyone listening who's thinking of looking into making their app more secure, please do consult an actual security expert before claiming that your app is now secure. Yeah. It's also a very good practice to hire one of these pen testing companies that they will 
try to break your app and they will give you a very nice report with you know some more serious concerns and some not so serious concerns but they they tend to be quite useful yeah actually i worked at a company once where they had one of those companies and as part of the package they came in for a one-day training with the mobile development team and it was very interesting because they actually taught us how to decompile an android app and how to um, look into uh, how how the ways some of the ways that they attack apps to look to try and defeat them or extract secrets so if you do work at a company that you think would be willing to uh, to buy a service like that i think it's it's definitely worth asking them to to get that for your team because you'll learn a lot and it's it's also very interesting agreed All right jay with this i think it's a good time to wrap it up it's been a blast like always see you next time see you next time I haven't got a freaking clue. How do you do that? Okay.